Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always. I don't know about you, Christian, but that game against the Oilers, I'm ready for the playoffs now. Great defensive effort from both teams. The Avalanche lose 2-1 to to the Edmonton Oilers in overtime, but I have a very hard time knocking any of the effort from the Avs. Defensively, brilliant. Georgiev, brilliant. Everyone was doing a lot of little details. The Oilers had a great defensive game as well. You get a massive point. And the Avalanche now control their own destiny in the Central still going into the final two games. You don't have to scoreboard watch Dallas. All you got to do is take care of business yourself and you win the Central. And I feel like we're also at the point of the season where you see the Avs play like that. You really don't care who you're playing, do you? Yeah, it was. It's hard to be happy with a loss, but this was arguably one of the most detail oriented games the Avs have played in a very long time. And it's very encouraging going into the playoffs because that's the type of hockey you need to play to win another Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. Defensively, if the Avs are playing like that in the playoffs and they're going to get the reinforcements back that they are in the a week of Kale McCarr, Josh Manson, and Arturi Lekin. We'll talk about Helm and Landeskog here soon. But if you're just getting those three guys back and you're playing like that defensively, the Avs are going to win a lot of games in the playoffs. Like I have very few issues with this game outside of the offense, but a lot of that can be credited to the Oilers also had a very good playoff style game and you got to give them credit as well. This was a very good hockey game between two very good teams and the team that made the first mistake in overtime lost same way it was the other two times we've played the Oilers. All three games against the Oilers went to overtime this season. If that doesn't tell you how close these two are right now. Yeah, these two teams are, I think, some of the top contenders in the West. They're but top two. You think? I, I still I still put Vegas in there. I, I think Vegas is sneaky oh. just because. I, I, okay, we'll agree yeah. to disagree on that. Even and I still think they're dangerous. Is the Avalanche and the Oilers are the top two. I think if Vegas and Edmonton meet, I don't like Vegas's chances right now. That's fair. I, 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 can, I can get on your side with that. But 
the thing is, is the Oilers are probably the hottest team in the NHL right now. Uh, they're what nine zero and one in their past ten games, maybe ten and zero in their past ten games now with that win against the Avs. They've um, won eight in a row. They're nine zero and one in their last ten, which is hotter than Boston at nine and one. Ah, oh, damn you, Boston! But the Oilers. If you're an Oilers fan, this game has to scare the shit out of you because the Avalanche. This is the weakest they've been all year. And they stymied you for 62 minutes of this game, held you to one goal. And if we're being completely honest, if Kale McCarr plays in this game, I think the abs win it three to one. I, I really do. Um, just because him and Devon Taves, I don't know what they do against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl or one of the two. The abs are one of the few teams that can slow down McDavid. Like he, he only had one point in this game. And we made the joke last year in the playoffs that holding McDavid and Dreisaitl to a point per game is a successful night. It's when they go for their three, four point nights where you're going to get in trouble. And the abs held Dreisaitl without a point, I believe. And then they held McDavid and Dreisaitl got a point on the winner each, but that was their only points of the night. So in regulation goose eggs and Dreisaitl without that assist would have had nothing, not even a shot on goal. Yeah. So, the abs defensively without the best defenseman in the NHL slowed down the top duo in the NHL. So as an abs fan, if this is the type of performances we're getting going into the playoffs, I feel really damn good about this team. Like really fucking good. Yeah, exactly. If you're getting these kind of performances with a healthier lineup, you're going to win a lot of playoff games. If you're an Oilers fan, yeah, I'm sure it felt good to finally beat the Avs after seven tries. You know, I guess you were due for one eventually. But when the Avs do add those guys back and all three of these games have gone to overtime and the Oilers, I think, were only missing Cody Cece in this game, that's the kind of competition we're getting between these two. And the Avs are not at full health yet. And if they're, again, playing like that, I like their chances in a seven-game series. I love their chances in the seven game series again, man. Um, my favorite part was just the ESPN broadcast just sucking off McDavid the entire That's fucking tough. game and him just not like producing anything. Like McDavid had a couple plays, but overall, like we kept him in check. Like he he had that one breakaway and Georgiev made him look like Blake Como back in the day on that breakaway. Like Connor McDavid got stuffed on that. Um, and then he had a couple other chances, but other than that, the abs kept him to the outside. He wasn't able to create. And I feel really damn good about this game. It's, it's weird saying this as a, like coming on after a loss, but this is the most confident I've been in the abs in a long time. Yeah. I, I woke up today and like, I genuinely forgot we lost because I was in pretty good mood and I feel really good about how that game went. You got all you needed to get, you got a point. And even if you did end up winning this game, it doesn't really change your situation with Dallas and winning the division all that much. It just gives you room to lose a game in overtime over the next two days. If Dallas wins out, it's the only thing it really changes. The fact that you got a point and you don't have to worry about the tiebreaker if you just win these last two games, you're feeling just fine. And when you look at it, there's no three on three in the playoffs. If this situation happens again, if these two teams meet in the playoffs, the Oilers are not going to get the freebie that they got in overtime where they just are, they're going to score on a four on three. Once Bo Byron took that penalty, we all knew the game was going to end. You're simply not going to stop 
statistically the greatest power play of all time for another time when it's four on three. Five on four is a different story. Four on three with McDavid and Dreisaitl, it, it's over. You don't have a shot. No, it was, it was, it, I'm glad they put us out of our misery quick. We only had to deal with like 30 seconds of it. Like it was, it, it could have been a very slow, painful death, but it was very quick. And I was thankful for that because like you said, we had stuffed that power play too. They were over three or over four before that. And the penalty kill looked great against, like you said, the best power play of all time, which is crazy to think about that we're going to look back on this in 20 years and be like, oh, remember when the Oilers were clipping at like 32% on the power play? Like, that is just absurd. And you held them in check. And the most impressive kill of the year was in that second period when Devon Taves gets called for a four-minute uh, double minor and you kill off the whole damn thing. Like, that was an absurd penalty kill. Yeah, that that is without question the best penalty kill that the Avs have had this year. And without Devon Tays, arguably their best defenseman on the penalty kill. And it was such a good kill. Logan O'Connor with two huge blocks off of his hand. He's such a warrior. And a guy who had a phenomenal game, Lars Eller, was brilliant in this game against the Oilers, especially on the penalty kill. The penalty kill comes up huge and that gets the abs to, to keep it tied in the second period. And then Taze had a chance of his own in the dying seconds. Like this was a phenomenal hockey game and for getting us ready for the playoffs. This game got me down into my routines. I was wearing the Jersey. It was like, okay, I got to sit here, got to build my playlist and everything. And I am so ready next week to sit on my couch and watch hockey from the comfort of my own home with the anxiety levels of somebody being hunted for sport. Well, and here's the thing too, you don't have to worry about uh, just like two straight weeks of playoff hockey because you won't have to worry about the caps and abs playing on opposite okay. days. So you only have half the stress this year. Well, last um, year we just played on but the one same. thing. So it was just all locked into one. Yeah, that's true. What I took away from this game too is the Devon Taves that we saw last year was re-emerging last night. This was one of Devon Taves' best games that he's played in a very, very long time. Um, he has that double minor. There's nothing he can do on that play. That is literally just luck. Uh, bad luck for Zach Hyman's face, uh, but he bleeds. like th That's a 50-50 thing. Like Sometimes that's a four, sometimes that's a two. It happened to bleed. Um so it was a double minor, but after that, I mean, Devon Taves defensively was on another level last night. Yeah. I mean, and you go back to when the avalanche had power play and they give up what was a three on one shorthanded Devon Taves breaks that up beautifully. It was a beautiful easily. <laughs> yeah. easily too. Yeah. He's he's in the perfect spot defending the pass and letting Georgiev take the shot. If he takes it, and making sure he can't drop it back for the one-timer because he's in the way. It's perfect positioning. Devontae's had such a, a great night. And even without Kale McCarr, Devontae's just shows how important he is to this team. Arguably the most important, like, non-McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen player on this team. He's, he's such a backbone. And the Oilers have to despise playing against this guy. They do, but he has... Devontae's has shown some cracks, uh recently without Kale McCarr, but in this game, he was back to being the Devontae's we've come to know and love. And I was really glad to see that. I also, for the first time in a long time, 
I thought him and Gerard paired really well. I like they, they was, were Gerard was probably had one of his best defensive games of the season, like really throwing his body around against like the dry sidles of the world, like Kane and yeah. he was throwing Kyler Yamamoto around. Like this was almost a completely different player in this game against the Oilers. We're getting that Sam Gerard in the playoffs. Sign me up. And that's the same Gerard we've been waiting to see because he wasn't doing anything. We've said it so many times on the show. He was just doing what he's good at. Like he is not trying to be something he's not. And I, I for one was really impressed with him. I also just Sam Gerard has become elite at just taking pucks and sticks to the face. Like he's, he's just, his face must be a magnet for sticks. Um, he drew another high sticking penalty um, in this game, which that's like two and three games for him. So, I mean, he's an elite penalty drawer at this point too. But so somehow he's still, I, somehow he's still pretty. Although that no, I, I will never get over that nose strap that he has to wear. He just looks like an offensive lineman, like the smallest offensive lineman in the, in NHL history. Um, but Sam Gerard was really good. I I was impressed with Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson and Brad Hunt in this game. Um, Eric Johnson blocks a shot on the same leg that he fucking broke his leg. So hopefully there's nothing coming out about that. We haven't seen anything, which is I, knock I on wood. I doubt there's anything he played in the rest of the game. Was very much in pain on the bench. Like, oh, yeah. like forehead on the board, staring at the ground kind of in pain. But no updates today on EJ because he's fine. And again, Jack Johnson, he's better than he was last year for the abs. He's <laughs> just crazy, dude. I keep waiting for, for him to fall apart. He's yeah. just he's not falling apart yet. He's just been so consistent. Like there's been a couple of games where it's just like, what are you doing? But even that, like it's not nearly as prevalent as it was at points last year. And he's come in and has kind of played the Josh Manson role just fine in the top four. He's obviously not Josh Manson with the same edge and physicality, but he's been remarkably consistent and good, like just outright good. He's been good. And if you look at the Avs defenseman going into the playoffs, Brad Hunt's going to be the eighth defenseman, which is fine. You have Jack Johnson as the seventh. I feel good about Jack Johnson being our seventh defenseman. I really do. And the way that Gerard and Eric Johnson are playing, we've seen those two work well together. Like those two's play style complement each other very well. And that's going to be your third pair. Like the abs defense is going to be really good. And if an injury happens, which it will happen in the playoffs, because that's just playoff hockey. I feel good with Jack Johnson going in there again. And whether he's playing 10 minutes or 15, I feel great about that. Because he's shown nothing in the regular season that suggests he's slowing down. If anything, it shows he's improved from last year now that he knows the system completely and is super comfortable with the team. I think you can also make the argument this team could be deeper on defense than it was last year. Because instead of Ryan Murray, you have Brad Hunt, who's come in here and has played very well. And you're burying Curtis McDermott down into that that ninth role, which I think for the playoffs, you're Perfect for him. better about that two guys have to get hurt or even three guys have to get hurt before McDermott's jumping into the lineup. I mean, no disrespect to Curtis, but of Jack Johnson and Brad Hunt and McDermott, he's been by far the worst of either of them. Brad Hunt, I've, I've had very few problems 
with his game. Obviously, he has a massive goal the other night as well. And Jack Johnson, like, what can you even criticize about him lately? He's scoring, too. He's got two. The the funniest thing about Jack Johnson is when he is, like, chasing the puck down in his own zone. And he does the same move every single time. And every single time, the attacking player falls for it. Every single time. It has to be the slowest move in NHL history, but it works every single time. It's like, so, a, like a change up in baseball. You're expecting yeah. a fastball, but it's just you're already committed to the fastball, but it's still coming and he's still turning and it works every time. Right. But it's it so, works every time. He obviously it cracks me up. You know the move I'm talking about, right? Oh, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, it cracks me up. Like but in a game with the, McKinnon and McDavid and Dreisaitl and Rantanen, you're expecting fast-paced hockey. So when Jack Johnson's coming at you doing things in slow-mo, it's confusing. It fucks with your brain. <laughs> you're used to going 100 miles per hour and you're going five after that point. So It's like, it's like going from the um, highway to a neighborhood with 20 miles an hour. It's frustrating as hell to deal with. It's very, but uh, yeah, I mean, the abs defensively, if everything goes right before next week, it looks like we'll have a fully healthy defensive core for the first time all year. And I feel good about that because the details will be there. Kale McCarr is a game breaker. We've seen what Josh Manson, we've talked about on the show with Josh Manson before. Like we don't appreciate how good Josh Manson is until he's gone. And he hasn't been there pretty much the entire second half of the season. And we've we've been okay without him. But for that like five game stretch where he was back, we were like, oh yeah, Josh Manson fucking kicks ass. Like I see why we paid him four years, four million. Like this dude rules. Yeah, that first game against the Wild, his literal first game back, we don't win without him. That's how good he was in that game. And the Avs just have such a good defensive structure that adding the best defenseman in the NHL and Josh Manson back at the same time. That's got to be horrifying if you're the Minnesota Wild or the Seattle Kraken right now. That They just did this to the Edmonton Oilers, held McDavid and Settle off the score sheet entirely in regulation. And in overtime, all bets are off. It's all just luck, whoever gets a break first, especially between those teams. But in regulation, the Avs gave up very little. You, you look at the shots on goal, I feel like it's a little deceptive to see it 40-29 in favor of the Oilers. Because the Oilers did not have a ton of dangerous chances. The Avs definitely held them to shooting a lot from the perimeter. I mean, you look at expected goals in this game as well. Even despite getting outshot by 11, the Avs had the edge there as well because they had the better chances in this game. And they held the Oilers to a lot of perimeter shots. And like, yeah, McDavid had seven shots. One was on a breakaway. And the rest were... I mean, he's McDavid, so they're all dangerous, but they weren't that bad. No, they weren't all bad. And it was the total opposite of the Kings game where like every King shot was a high danger scoring chance. This one, I didn't really feel it it didn't feel super dangerous. Uh, And the Oilers had like three straight power plays to really boost those numbers um, in the second period. So I thought the Avs defensive structure was great. A player on the Avs who I think uh, it was it was his first game back from the flu. I think we both had some concerns about Bo Byram uh, just because being sick and coming back and playing the Edmonton Oilers is probably not the most ideal thing, but he just continues to thrive in big games. I know he takes the penalty late, but in that moment, I think that's a penalty you have to take. Like yeah. You're and not going to give McDavid a breakaway in overtime. Yeah, And you can argue 
that McDavid, he pushes him back and drags him back and tugs him before the breakaway and everything. And you can argue that Byron made the right play. On that play, I think it's really tough to criticize officials for saying, oh, he stopped McDavid in overtime. He must he must have cheated. I think it's pretty right. fair. Officials might be looking at it that way. It's a it's a tough call to make. I don't hate it entirely. I think there was a little bit there from Byram. It's tough because right before that he missed the chance to to end the game, which wouldn't even have gotten us to that point. I'm I'm more upset about that than the actual penalty. Yeah. The the thing I want to talk about more in this game is like Bo Byram, we've talked about it. He is not afraid to mix it up. Him and Evander Kane got into it a couple times. And I've said this on the show. I fucking hate Evander Kane, man. Like he is just the worst. And that play, there was a play, I believe it was in the second period. Byron and him get mixed up in the neutral zone. And then I think Kane does kind of a dirty hit. Byron's facing the boards. Like I think he's on his knees and Kane just goes in and finishes the hit. And it really just awoke the dormant part of my brain that had just forgotten Evander Kane exists and just how much I hate the guy because like, do you, this is a hypothetical. If Nazem Kadri doesn't break his thumb in game three, do you think the abs sweep the lightning? It's certainly fair to ask the question. I mean, game three wasn't that close where Kadri makes that much of a difference, but they certainly come close. At the very least. And the best part about that play with Kane and Byram, Byram didn't take that lying down. He didn't let it. He gets in Kane's face and gives him a shove back because Bo Byram, concussions be damned. He doesn't give a shit. Like, he's not going to fight him. He he does not give a shit, dude. And I love Bo for that. I actually just today got a Bo Byram shirt. Just. Oh, yeah. I got delivered today. I'm going to be wearing that for the playoffs. Finally able to wear a piece of Byram gear because I remember to buy one finally. But yeah, Bo Byram just is a, another guy that you don't know how much you miss until he's not there, especially right. when Kyle McCarr isn't playing. And yeah, it wasn't perfect from Bo tonight. He makes two mistakes that ultimately cost them an extra point in overtime. You know, it's also Connor McDavid about to get a rush on a breakaway. You can argue it's better to have a chance on a power play than a McDavid breakaway and at least allow Georgiev to prepare. But he had a solid game outside of that. And I have no issues with him, a 21-year-old going into the playoffs that's making mistakes lately, but as to be expected from a young defenseman, the talent is all there. And if he played a full 82-game season, he'd be getting a lot more national attention. He'd be getting a lot more national attention, and it goes back to when Bo Byron figures out how to place his shot, it's over for the NHL. When this dude can locate his wrist shot. He has the highest shooting percentage of defensemen, period. I know, that's what I'm saying. But he still feels like he misses the net so many times. And that one he missed in overtime, I mean, it it was inches away from beating Skinner perfectly and the Avs win the game 2-1. So I don't even really call that a mistake. You would love to get that on net and create a rebound, but it happens. He he placed a, the shot was 98% perfect and it just sneaks past the far post. Um, yeah. But, and I'm, I'm already drawing blood in the regular season on myself. Cause when he missed that, right. put my, I put my hands on my head and accidentally like sliced my finger open with another nail. So trim your nails, everyone, before you go to the playoffs, don't be yeah. 
bleeding after a regular season game. But yeah, I wanted to double check that. Yeah, Byram is shooting 15.6%, which of all defensemen who have played 400 minutes is like almost over 2% more than the next closest guy, which is Derek Forbert. And Eric That's Carl- hilarious. Eric Carlson, for context, is fifth in shooting 122 Hit 100 points in the, in the season. So, I mean, at least yeah. the Sharks got some sort of milestone this year. They, they got something um, out of this horrible season. Yeah, they got something. But, yeah, I mean, Bo Byram, you you take what you get. He's going to give you a lot of good, and there's going to be some parts where you're left your, with your scratch in your head. He's like, young. It's he's just going to make mistakes. Yeah. And if we saw anything in the playoffs, he's going to be very responsible. Josh Manson will be massive for him. I believe he was playing most of the game with Jack Johnson and that won't be happening in the playoffs. So even even uh, if it does, I'm less worried about that nowadays because Jack has been excellent in these games. And it's also, we should also mention who scored the goal for the abs, which technically wasn't an av, but Ben Myers gets credit for the goal after I believe Nick Bukestad just put it into his own net, but Ben Myers touched it last and brought it into the zone. So all of a sudden Ben Myers is up to four goals on the season, unassisted on the goal to get the abs on the board less than five minutes in total fluke, but you take them. However, you can get them. Take them however you can get them. And that, that was just kind of the, the like story of this game. It was like a couple bounces would, would go the abs way. They win this game. They didn't end up going their way. This was one that did, Ben Myers, two of his goals this year have been just complete luck. So good for Ben Myers. Um, I still think, honestly, though, that Ben Myers could be an impact player. Not impact. I think he could be a good bottom six forward for the Avs going forward. I really do. I I think he's proven that after his last AHL stint and now coming up here and playing even some meaningful minutes towards the end of the regular season when these games matter, He's going to get a look next year in training camp, and he's going to have more than a fair shot to to earn a spot on the roster. Because it's not like, oh, he's had two lucky goals. Now he's up to four. He's playing well. Like he played minutes in that game against the Oilers, and he did not look out of place. Like he looked comfortable. He looked good with the puck. He was making smart plays. Like that's a guy that, yeah, I I can see him even next year, as soon as next year, coming in and maybe playing a meaningful bottom six role. I want to ask you this because. In my opinion, I'm kind of flipping like Dennis Morgan has been great, but on the second line, he's way out of his, yeah, out his of range. His... He's not a second line forward, but with him, Myers and potentially new hook on a line, that's a pretty decent line. In my opinion, uh, I could see those working out well. Obviously, I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be Morgan and new hook. If the abs are healthy forward wise are going to be the ones who get scratched every other game. But forward depth wise, obviously you don't have Burakovsky this year. You don't have Kadri or Landis Gog. Like it's going to be interesting who the Avs decide because I don't know, man, like I don't think it's fair to criticize Morgan. He's playing a way above where he should be playing in the second line. Like he just looks so out of place on that second line with the Avs. Um, Cause you have Nachushkin and Confer who are really good. And Morgan's had a great year, but, He's a bottom six forward playing a top six role. So there's definitely been some instances where you're like, Dennis, man, you're killing me, dude. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But I'm I'm interested to see what the Avs forward group is going to look like going into the playoffs. Obviously, it depends on health, but yeah. it's not as interesting as it was last year where you had 
like an entire fourth line just sitting up in the press box for the entire playoffs where you can scratch Alex Newhook in game one of the playoffs and then like, oh, your second line winger Burakovsky isn't producing in the second round. That's okay. We have enough forwards that you can scratch him and send that message in the playoffs. So, I mean, once we might get Lekkinen back in one of these final two games, so we'll see who comes out first. It's going to be Ben Myers. But we also don't know what's going to be going on with Darren Helm in the playoffs because from what it initially sounded like, yeah, it's maintenance. He'll be back for the playoffs. Now they don't know if he's going to be ready for game one again. We don't know if something already got re-aggravated. But if Helm's not ready for game one, then both of those guys are going to be in. It's only Ben Myers that's going to end up coming out. Yeah. Uh, with Darren Helm, it's been a struggle for him this year. He contemplated retirement at the end of last year. You, you have to wonder if he – I don't think he regrets coming back. But well, he, he's still I back. don't think this is how – yeah, I don't think this is how he envisioned his final NHL season going. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting paid over a million bucks to play a couple of games, I don't think you're regretting retirement decision all that much. But – It'll be tough. I mean, you certainly hope he's back early in the playoffs because now it doesn't sound like he's going to be back for game one. Same with Gabe, but we'll talk about that more in depth later on. But you're going to be getting Lekkinen back on offense, and that's going to be a big boost to your top six. But outside of that, I mean, this is what the offense is going to be. And you look at this game against the Oilers where you only get one goal and it's a fluke and you really want to criticize the offense McKinnon still had seven shots on goal. Rantanen still had five shots on goal. Everyone else seemed more focused on defense in this game, which I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, you got enough to to get a point out of this game. McKinnon nails a post on the power play in the third period, an inch away from the Avalanche winning this game in regulation. And if you get that, we're all talking about how the Avs own the Oilers and McDavid can't do it against McKinnon. And instead, here we are. Instead, here we are. But I think you tweeted out last night. I wish there was, there probably is a stat somewhere out there. McKinnon has to be a league leader in post rank. Why is this not a stat I can find? I spent <laughs> thirty. I spent like thirty minutes today just looking up posts in the NHL. How do I know what they are? There's no way to find posts easily. If there is, you've got to go on a treasure hunt for it because it's not yeah. on. It's not on the NHL site. I've yet to find any analytics site that has even like StatMuse, which has like every stat you could ever hope for, doesn't have posts. I don't know why it's such an adventure just to find out who's hit the most friggin' posts. It's annoying. Well, I think it's because it doesn't count as an official shot on goal. But it and that's probably why. Something. It, it should. Does. It should. But McKinnon's got to be a league leader in it. Um, so, yeah, he rings off the post. He's still one goal short of getting to 40 which I, I think he has a good chance to get over these next two games uh, to score one. But the thing is, is with the abs currently, Lekkanen coming back is going to be huge, obviously. But do you think about splitting up Rantanen and McKinnon again when Lekkanen comes back? With because the way, with the way they're playing right now, I think you just got to keep riding the hot hand. I mean, the situation's... It'll depend in the playoffs. I think if you're playing the Kraken, though, where they're deploying four lines that are all deep and dangerous, I think maybe you break them up just to match up a little better once you start getting against those third and fourth lines. But I, I don't think there's a wrong choice 
I mean, it just, I think it just depends on the matchup. I think you're right. I, I would, I would lean towards splitting them up just for the simple fact that if like in this game, when the Ranton and McKinnon line wasn't on the ice, there was no offense being created. Like Val was trying his best, but the JT Comfer and Dennis Morgan weren't, weren't helping out too much. Really. The only time the Avs seemed dangerous was when McKinnon and Ranton were on, were on the ice yeah. and that's going to happen. So I think what the Avs will probably end up doing is you put Arturi Lekkinen back on that top line. I think you bump Evan Rodriguez down, or maybe you keep Rodriguez up and you move Lekkinen into the second line and you have Val, Lecky, and JT Comfort. That's a pretty dangerous line. I think you put Lecky up on that top line. I, th- I think that is that is his role this season. And Erod's yeah. done fine in a pinch, but Lecky and McKinnon together and potentially Rantanen is disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. It's really gross. Um so I'm interested to see what the Avs do. Uh, I would lean more towards Lekkanen plays in tonight's game. I, I really would. And then he probably doesn't play in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what happens. I mean, there's a lot still to figure out with the Central. If Dallas, we're recording this before the Stars and Blues game, which is weird for us. The sun is still out. We usually record at midnight. Yeah. But we're recording this before the game right now. If the Stars lose in regulation, it's important stipulation. If the Stars lose in regulation to the Blues and Jordan Bennington, additional context. It's not Jordan Bennington started. It's it's that Wolf kid. Oh, so maybe they have a shot. We'll see how that goes. It's Wedgwood starting for the Stars as well. Okay. Well, I mean, so if the Stars lose in regulation, getting on point, then the Avalanche, if they beat the Jets, then they will clinch the Central and Game 82 will be meaningless. If the Stars win that game, they'll also play when the Avs play the Jets. So we'll find out if that Nashville game is meaningful at all. If it is, I feel like you've come this far. Do you really start resting guys on the last day and throwing the towel on the division when you're right no. there? You can't. You can't. It's it's too important uh, to win the division and just get home ice through the first two rounds. It, it, it's just too important. So... I, I would imagine, like, we're all St. Louis Blues fans, as gross as that sounds. We're all Blues fans tonight, so we need to cheer for the Blues. Uh, we all need to be on the same page for these next two nights. Uh, but if Lekkanen does come back, the Avs look better forward-wise, obviously. You're adding a top six forward back in. But before we move on to the biggest elephant in the room, did you have any more thoughts about the Oilers game? I mean, I have plenty of thoughts about this game. I mentioned it already. Sam Gerrard was excellent. Lars Eller was excellent. Alex Georgiev is is just so steady. Like, he's just so steady. I mean, not, I, you don't love the Ekholm goal, but when you save 38 of 40 shots and stop a McDavid breakaway and finish the night at a 950, you just have no concerns going into the playoffs. That's the kind of performance you want out of your goalie. Just don't let in anything bad. Even that, like, People talk like the Ekholm goal wasn't great. I, that's a great shot. That's a great drop back. And that was the one mistake the Avs defense made all night is they lost their guy. And it was this close to being offside. That close. You lost your guy once and it ends up in the back of your net. It's a howitzer from Ekholm. I'm not going to blame you or give a ton for that, especially when he had such a great night otherwise. And again, if you're the Oilers, yeah, you feel good about winning that game just because now if if they win their game against San Jose tomorrow – and if the the Knights lose to the Kraken, the Oilers will win the West. So I'm sure they feel good for that. But again, going into a potential playoff series, the Oilers 
really have yet to show they can really handle the abs all that well. Like, yeah, you won an overtime on a power play. Doesn't really change how anyone feels about that matchup. No, I, if the abs and Oilers meet in the playoffs again, I don't think the abs will sweep them. I no. think it's like a five no. or six game series. That's a, that's going to be a way better series. Yeah. It, it's, I still would lean the abs just, just because what the defense has shown. And if Georgiev is as rock solid as we think he is, you have to lean the abs in this situation. So I completely agree with you. I mean, the Oilers got to win. I'm actually like kind of happy they did beat us because like, you're not going to beat a team 11 straight times. Right. You know what I mean, just like, you, like you get the year due conversation. Out of right. The, they got one, they got their stupid power play and whatever. And going into a playoff series, if the Oilers do get out of the Pacific, that they are a better team than they were last year. And it's inarguable that the abs are worse than they were last year. They don't have Kadri. They don't have Berkey. We'll see about Gabe Landeskog and they're better in net. At least they will be probably, hopefully we'll see what happens with goaltending. Hopefully it stays entirely healthy this time. Have Georgiev in that series. Both teams have to get there first, but we're talking the abs swept them last year. Are we talking that, we're going to see a four-game swing where all of a sudden the Oilers overcome this mountain of the Avs that have just had their number for so many games these last two years that they're going to win four before the Avs do. It'll be a great series if it does happen, but you still got to lean Avs. Oh, yeah. You have to. It's just the same way we're leaning. You're leaning the Lightning in a lot of ways. Like I, I can't pick against the Lightning until I see them lose. Until the Abs lose to the Oilers, I can't pick them to beat to to lose to the Oilers. So, it's just uh, I think you lean the Abs. I mean, the Abs definitely aren't the same team they were last year, but they're still pretty fucking good. Yeah, like there's, it, there's it's some... still a really good team. Yeah, but I, I agree. I, I don't think it would be a four game sweep either way. That that's a six seven game series without a doubt. I, I don't think the Avs sweep any series this year. I I don't no. really see any sweeps right now going. Like maybe Boston can have one if they play really well in a series. But even then, like I can see the Islanders or the Panthers, or if the Penguins somehow luck back in, I can see them taking a game from Boston. Everything is just so close right now, and we'll talk about that more later. But if you take Boston out of the equation, you look at two through twelve in the standings right now. It's what like nine points hurricanes have 111 seattle has 100 yeah it's 11 points between second and 12th and that was because carolina put some distance between them yesterday and from second to 11th which is minnesota it's only nine points like parity in the league right now is crazy at the moment and if you take boston out that equation every team is just so close right now i have a hard time seeing how sweeps happen other than pure luck yeah, completely agree. So we'll have to see, but I feel good about the Avs. Like I said at the start of the show, th- this was the best performance the Avs have had in a very long time. Yeah. But like the details were all there. It looked like a playoff game and they showed up for the playoff game because in previous playoff games, I say with uh, quotations around it, they had not come out and played well. They really hadn't. Yeah. So to come out and have a much better game uh, like a full 60 minutes, uh, it makes me a lot more confident going into the playoffs. Yeah, and it helps that when you get a point out of this game, you lock up home ice in the first round, where no matter what happens, if you lose all these games, the last two games, I combined score 14 to nothing, and the Stars win out, and you don't win the Central, no matter what, 
Worst case scenario is you host Minnesota in the first round. Does Minnesota, they lost to Winnipeg last night, which gets Winnipeg into the playoffs, which we'll talk about. And with the point, the Avs secured home ice through the first round. So no matter what, you're starting probably on Tuesday at Ball Arena, whether it's against the Wild or the Kraken or the Kings. It's a pretty good spot to be in. So we'll feel good. There there was a story that came out in this game. Um, it was Emily Kaplan reported that as of today, Gabe Landeskog was going to meet with doctors to see when or if he would be back on the ice for the playoffs. And this has turned into the ultimate what the fuck happened? Like what what are, are was there a more severe injury than we were being led on to? Like what's going on here? Like pretty- is this career threatening? I've seen that going online. Like is this a career threatening injury? Like what the fuck happened, man? I think it's pretty clear at this point the injury was a lot more severe than we were led to believe at the beginning of the season. Probably more severe than I think anyone thought at the beginning of the season. From we were been talking about okay, uh, late December returns probably realistic. Okay, uh, mid January was that's what we're probably looking at timetable wise. Ah, it's not going to happen now. Let's let's talk again after the All Star break, maybe in uh maybe in late February. Okay, he's back on the ice in February. That'll probably put him on table for what mid March ish, and then every time it's just yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Became very clear that it's going to be game one of the playoffs, and now. I'm starting to wonder, and we're getting this win or if language being thrown out there. Game one is not happening. And no. round round one might not be happening. And so we don't know what's going on with Gabe right now, if he's going to be back at all. I don't think he's going to be back at all. I, I really don't. I, I think the abs are just going to take extreme caution with this and let him come back at his own pace. But the fact that he, for one, still has not skated with the team or practiced with the team. None of those videos are coming out anymore of him skating and working with uh, the skills coach. That's not happening anymore. I've, I've switched my mentality that that if he comes back, I'll be shocked. Like it's, it's. I think the healthy thing to do at this point, just for all of our sakes, is to mentally prepare ourselves that this is not going to happen. That this Gabe Landeskog thing might just be a fairy tale that we talk about until the end of the season. It could end up being a Steven Stamkos thing in the bubble where if you go to the third round or the final, maybe that gives him enough time to get back onto the ice First round, I I would be shocked if he's on the ice in the first round. And We're talking I, it's, a, it's less than a week. It's yeah. less than a week. Like right now, this episode's going up Thursday. We will be in game two of the first round this time next week. Not happening. I'm not prepared for that mentally. Um, We're talking about like even the second round. That's less than a month away. We'll probably be done with the second round or at least very close to done with the second round a month from now. Is that going to be enough time for him? With the way things are progressing, it really does not seem like it. So I just think that we need to mentally prepare ourselves that Gabe Landeskog might not be walking through that door this season. And maybe that might be okay. And that might be the best case scenario for his career. Yeah, it sucks. It fucking sucks. Not having Gabe Landeskog. Cause if you get Gabe Landeskog back in this lineup, there's no top six. That's, that's going to stop them. Like they, they are, they are so fucking loaded. And if you can get Gabe Landeskog back 
I just, I don't think there's any team that could stop them. I really don't. Yeah. And like beyond just what he does on the ice, we've said so many times, like this is the captain. This is the guy that leads the room. And even if he's not playing, you're hoping that he's at least still around, but it's, it's tough without your captain in games, you know, in overtimes and close games to have that calming presence. And it doesn't hurt that the fact that he scored 30 goals last year and pretty much only scored big goals in the playoffs last year during the, the stand- a point per game player in the playoffs, dude, he was a point per game player, point per game player. Like every time you watch those highlights and you see Gabe Landeskog score a goal, it's like that either was the game winner or put the game away. It's just all he did was score massive goals for this team in the playoffs. So if he's not there, there, it cannot be understated how big of a loss that is, but it's, if you can draw any positive from it, I mean, we're talking like it's a guarantee he's not going to play, but I think we just have to prepare ourselves for that. Like I said, if he doesn't play, at very least, we've done that all season. And this team can play without Gabe Landeskog, and they can win games without Gabe Landeskog. It's going to be really, really difficult, but they have shown that they can succeed without him. So at least it's not like he got hurt in the last week and we're screwed kind of thing. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing I took away from it is we need Emily Kaplan just to become like the Avs team reporter because we get the most information of the whole season whenever Emily Kaplan is doing Avs games. I don't know what it is, but we need Emily Kaplan to be part of the Avs like broadcast team because maybe we'd get some truthful shit out of the Avs finally. Yeah, I mean, I saw like, oh, ESPN doesn't know what they're talking about. I wouldn't put a ton of stock in this report. Emily Kaplan does. ESPN yeah. might not be the best at hockey coverage. Emily Kaplan is one of the best at it. She just so happens to be at ESPN. I trust her. I do too. So we need Emily Kaplan just to like hang out around the abs and just so we can get the right accurate information. I wonder if the abs actually just like hate seeing her because she just gets like all this information out of people. They see her in the back of the press room, just like with her hands on her temple. And like, yep, he's out. Okay, you <laughs> have to say it. Yeah, and she just, she just is probably just the nicest person, and people are like, oh yeah, but I can tell her stuff. She's not going to tell anyone. <laughs> She's just got a trustworthy face. We should get her on the show. That'd be cool. I'm sure we can try. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but that yeah. was my thing. I was like, why has Emily Kaplan just broke every news story about Gabe Landeskog this year? Seems like she has the inside scoop on all of it, and the wording she used like he has a couple more appointments. This week, which could really mean anything, but doesn't sound encouraging for a guy that you want to have back this time next week if you're still having appointments to determine if he can play. So right. it doesn't seem like it. It seems like for the first time, the Avalanche are not sure if they're even going to see Landeskog at all, because it, for a long time, it was they're not sure if they're going to see him in the regular season, but he'll be back for the playoffs. Now it's really become they just don't know. And it's kind of up to chance and how far they go at this point. Cause he's not, it's not happening in the first round. It's just not. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. from T to green, the best place to go to get in on all the action happening on the links is DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers can receive an odds boost to add plus 1000 to any pre-tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So for example, if you are a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, 
DraftKings will boost that golfer to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. Plus, DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and boost your odds during this week's tournament. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, back to the episode. I just don't see it happening, man. My mentality's changed, and that is a big-time bummer. So we'll just kind of have to persevere through it. And like I said, the team's played without Gabe Landeskog all year. So this isn't going to be new to him. It's just you would really like to have a top 10 winger play. That's pretty important. The best captain in the NHL certainly wouldn't hurt to have. So it's a shame. It's not impossible that he's going to play in the playoffs, but there is a lot of doubt surrounding it right now, which sucks to say the least. Yeah, it sucks. So we'll have to wait and see, but the news has not been good. Um, of course the star score as we're talking about bad news and, uh, yeah. So let's, uh, do you have any other final thoughts on Gabe Landeskog before we move on to these final two games of the year? I think there's only so many thoughts you can have about it when you've been talking about this all season long. I think we've said what we need to say about Gabe and now we just kind of have to hope something works out and we get some good news sooner or later, but we're looking at, we're going to have to survive in the playoffs without him. But speaking of the playoffs as a whole, it's really weird that we're going into, by the time you're listening to this, the final two days of the season and 10 of the 16 playoff spots are still undetermined, where we know 15 of the 16 teams as of right now, if the Islanders get a point, they'll be the last team in. But the seeding is still very much up in the air, obviously, as we know with the Avs and the Stars, only the Wild are locked in the third and the central both Vegas and Edmonton are still going to be fighting for the top spot in not just the Pacific, but the West and Seattle and LA are fighting for third in the Pacific. Still the East is a whole massive mess in itself. Carolina, New Jersey are still fighting, but for the Avs purposes, we should talk about what these scenarios look like for them. We talked about one already. The simplest one is you win both games and you lock down first spot in the central and you play Seattle or LA in the first round. You play those. I'd be cool with that. Um, I I think Winnipeg, now that they're locked up, they have nothing else to play for in this, in this game tonight. They have nothing to play for. Absolutely yeah. nothing. So Hellebuck shouldn't start. I imagine they'll still play like some players, but this should be an easy win tomorrow. Yeah. It should. It's the Avs home finale. They have more to play for than the Jets do. The Jets are completely and utterly locked into the second wild card spot. They cannot miss. They cannot move up. I think we. I think Rick Bonus already said that Hellebuck isn't going to play, which makes the Jets like half as dangerous when they don't have Connor Hellebuck yeah. the way they've played this season. Like I imagine, like Kyle Connor, like Nick Ehlers is not playing after that hit he took from Ryan Hartman. He he will not be playing in that game against the Avs. But like I. I doubt we're going to see even like Shifley, Connor, like the Jets, like there's just no point in risking it. The only, the only thing you're doing is playing spoiler for the abs. And like, do you even, do you even care? It's not like we're going to miss the playoffs. I can't imagine they're a petty team, but it's just like at a certain point, do you care that much about playing spoiler? It wouldn't be responsible of them to play all these players in this game. 
It just wouldn't. Like it. Regardless, I think if they were playing healthy, I think the Avs could beat them because they've already done it once this year. So I I think the Avs should win that pretty easily. Pretty easily, they should. Um, but I we'll have to wait and see until Morning Skate comes out, and we'll see who's playing and who's not playing because that that's really going to be the the key in all of this. Yeah, and we'll see what the Avs plan even is for playing people in this game. But for some of the other scenarios, the only thing you really need to know is if the Avalanche get one more point than the Stars or keep the same amount of points. If they both get four, the Avs win the Central. They just cannot secede a point where Dallas gets one. So if Dallas wins both, we have to win both games. If Dallas loses one, then we can lose a game in overtime, that kind of thing, because Dallas has the tiebreaker. So we need to be ahead of them by at least a point, which is why dragging that game to overtime against the Oilers is so important because now we don't need the Stars' help. Correct. And I would really love if the Blues could score on this power play. This is terrible radio, but I would really love that. Um, and I think the most likely scenario is the Avs win these last two games. I really do. And that, that's why, you, like you said, getting that point was so massive for them because now they're still in control of their own destiny. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why I really have a hard time being upset about that Oilers loss because you got everything you needed to get because that was that in Edmonton or that in Anaheim were your games in hand. And you finish with your games in hand. So you have all played 80 games and you're a point ahead. So if everything goes the same and you both have the same records, you're the one that gets the top seed, which is crazy after where we were in January. The fact the fact that we're in this conversation is crazy entirely. And yeah, very funny. Yeah, the, the abs control their own destiny to win the central. But for everything else, when it comes to first round matchups, if we don't win the central, we play Minnesota. That's locked in. Nothing else can change with that. It would be in Colorado for games one and two. But for the wild card stuff, Seattle and LA are not locked in quite yet. And right now, if Seattle defeats Vegas in regulation, or I think it doesn't even matter. I think they just need to, to beat them. It doesn't matter if it's an overtime or not, because they have the tiebreaker already. So if Seattle defeats yep. Vegas and the Kings don't get a point against Anaheim on Thursday, the Kings would fall the wild card spot and the Kraken would go to third. So if the Avs win the central, they would play Los Angeles in the first round. If any other result happens, if the Kings win or even get a point or the Kraken lose, it would be Seattle in round one. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. And I know we had the whole long conversation about oh, is Los Angeles better? Is the Kraken better? Is Minnesota better? I was on the avoid the Kraken train. My opinion has changed because I no longer care. I don't care at all who you play because you should be able to beat all of them. I don't know what I'm like bothered. I'm like thinking myself into a corner. Like you got to avoid this matchup. You can beat anybody you want. Just play them and you can beat them. Yeah. And as you were speaking, the blues did score. Jacob Veronoff ties the game at one on the power play. So beautiful boy. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm still in the same thing. I would love to face the Kraken, not love. I think the Kraken are a good hockey team, but you watch them against Vegas last night. And there's cracks. that team. Yeah, th- there's cracks for sure. Like if there's one thing, uh, if there's one thing, the Oilers are going to be the biggest Anaheim duck fans uh, of all time. And they're going to cheer for the ducks to beat the Kings because the Kraken versus the Oilers could be a sweep. It really could. Like the, the Kraken would get destroyed by the Oilers. I don't know about that. 
I maybe maybe it's just because I I like the Kraken and Berkey, but yeah. the Kraken. I still think that the Avs are the matchup they would prefer just for the no pressure and the storyline and everything of expansion team plays defending champs. And with the Oilers, I think they would also find an opportunity to relish playing McDavid and playing spoiler in that role. I mean, there is no easy matchup in the first round. We've talked about this. You have to throw away any notion, even Winnipeg. I thought about that more. It's just like, you got to throw everything away in the playoffs and you're playing Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor in a playoff series. So there is no easy matchup. You can say the Kraken are the easiest, but again, I, I really, I really don't care. Honestly. Yeah. I don't care either. Um, the wild would be great for storylines, but I also think I'd be bald by the time they, that series would end. Um, so I don't know if I want that in the first round. I know but, well, we'll, we'll from see. my excitement, I would be way up for a wild series over a Kraken series. Like I would be wired every single day for that kind of series over the Kraken. But we I mean, I've watched the wild the last couple of games. Not only have they not impressed me, they've shown it is very easy to, to get under their skin recently. Very easy. I mean, the end of that Jets wild game was like watching a, a celebrity boxing match. There were so many fights at the end of that game. Um, and I, that hit that, was it Pionk who did that on Mojo? Yes. Was it Pionk who cross-checked Mojo? Yes. I think it was. The fact he got a five-minute penalty for that was a little absurd in my opinion. <laughs> like, it's a cross-check to the ribs. It's a penalty, but a five-minute one? That seemed a little dramatic. And then all hell broke loose after that. There were like five fights after that cross check. Yeah. I mean, and you had Ryan Hartman going after Nick Ehlers after he hit Kaprizov, he gets himself suspended for a game. And it's like, I think the wild have misinterpreted what toughness is where they go around, they act psychotic and they take stupid penalties and they pay for it. And they think that makes them get teams to mess with them less like, no, I know that if I go after you, you're going to do something stupid and take an unnecessary penalty and put us on the power play. Yeah, that's kind of my impression of them, too. And I don't love the fact that, like, well, I do. Like, Ryan Reeves is going to play big minutes for them, and that's going to be very fun to watch. Please do that. If you really think that that's going to help you, please do that. Play Ryan Reeves well, as much as you want. Yeah, well, and also the Joel Erickson Eck injury is is severe if they're missing erickson eck they the, i don't see them beating the stars no. or the abs yeah erickson eck is a massive piece of that team if they don't have him for even half of the first round i right i just don't see it going very well for them i mean look how it's gone for them the last couple of games without joel erickson eck their center depth is paltry enough already when they lose arguably their most important center they don't look very good surprisingly and you look at those games against Chicago and against the Jets, like they had to really fight against Chicago and took advantage of a bad team late in the game. But yet Marcus Foligno get in a fight with England and take a, a really stupid penalty as well. He he was acting like a psycho with the helmet thing. And then you have Ryan Hartman who takes that, who does that hit on Nick Ehlers, gets himself put in the box for a dirty hit and suspended and then the the Jets eventually end up scoring soon after that to put the game away. And with a minute left, 
They send out Ryan Reeves to fight Adam Lowry with 35 seconds left, and he loses the fight. It's like, it's not a good look. The Jets are not blameless in this, let me add. They are very much as guilty in this party as the Wild are. But it's just, the Wild come off as very easy to upset. Yes, they're easily triggered. And can you blame a Minnesota team for being easily triggered? I don't. I don't. Um, I just, for the sake of my sanity, would really not want to play them in the first round just because I will go crazy. Like, my my hair will be gone. I will have way too much time on my hands now. Like, it's... I, I don't need that in the first round. That That's a second round playoff series. Yeah, I I don't want it if possible. But if it just so happens to be that way, I will full on embrace psycho mode and just enjoy what will probably be one of the most psychotic series we will see in our lifetimes. I, I will enjoy yes. every second of it and hate every second of it at the same time, because you know that like if any of those games are going to overtime, like I, I wish I had like a heart rate monitor so you could just see my my heart rate going above like 200 plus. Kind of like what Steve Dangle did last year in the, yeah. when he was doing his live streams and his heart rate was at like 190. I was like, Jesus Christ. dude. Yeah. I mean, that's probably reminds of that, too, but. Yeah, I mean, still, I, like I, 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 I couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be a very, very fun series, but we would probably all be dead. I mean, imagine a Stanley Cup run of Minnesota, Dallas, Edmonton, Boston. I don't like any of those. I'd, teams, so I'd be dead. Yeah. Like, imagine that for two straight months. Like, I, I would be sick at the thought of losing to any of them. Maybe less so Boston, just because they're so good, but I don't want Boston to succeed correct yeah yeah it's gonna be tough but overall we'll, we'll talk more about those playoff matchups when it finally becomes official who we're facing um but we already talked about the winnipeg game winnipeg has nothing to play for and as a result of that winnipeg minnesota game last night nashville now has nothing to play for in their final two games so the path is there for the abs to win the division like both teams they play have nothing to play for except pride Right. So the Avs should win both these games handily. You handily. Would, you would yeah, think. If there's would, one thing I've watched, like with the Preds, they are not very good. I We've said it on the show, like how are they even in playoff contention? Like every time they play a good team, they get their shit kicked in. Yeah, it's UC Soros is absolutely saving them down the stretch. And they're just, they're getting goals from unlikely guys. Like I think Evangelista... And they have like a new guy like Jake Livingstone come in and play pretty decently. Like they're not good, but they played solidly enough to get the job done in a lot of these games. Like their their top line, Sanford, Glass, Tomasino. Like what are they just scratching all their guys for the end of the season? It's like Yossi's not. Forsberg, Duchesne, and Johansson are hurt. Yeah, Forsberg's been out for a long time. Duchesne's week to week. Johansson's been out for a while. Like this lineup genuinely sucks. Like, is genuinely really, really bad. Where the best player, no offense to him, is Tyson Berry, who they got from the Oilers. And UC Soros has just played so well that he almost got them in. Just was that close to getting them in. If they just played... Is Roman Yossi hurt too? He's, he's currently on Cat Friendly listed as day-to-day. So maybe so. I mean, this might just be the Predators resting players 
against the Avs at that point because they don't have anybody left. Yeah, they they legitimately don't. So I am uh, I'm interested to see how that game goes. It's going to either be a super important game or it's going to be like the least I ever watch an Avs game because that game could. Because if you think about it, if the Stars lose tonight and you win tomorrow, that game means nothing. That like game it, is going to just be a glorified AHL game. Yeah, it, it will be the Eagles versus Bridgeport at that point. Or who's the Milwaukee? Yeah. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. Why is Bridgeport? It's not even close. But yeah, <laughs> the, if the Abs beat the Jets and the Stars lose one against the Blues, because they'll also play the Blues again tomorrow. So we'll also know by the end of the Jets game if the Avs have the division locked up at that point. And if they do, McKinnon's not going to play. Rantanen's not going to play. Taze isn't going to play. It, they're not going to play any of their guys in that game because it, it's meaningless. And you, you might as well rest them even just a little bit. It would be very funny if that happened. <laughs> just because we've been talking so much about how important that game's going to be and then it's just a glorified AHL game. Yeah. It it's would like, be very funny. Like we might see the return of top line Charles Udon again. That'd be sick. I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that. The Blues almost just scored too. They swept it off the goal line. That sucked. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how these last two games go. We're going to have a lot more to talk about in the next couple of days. We already have some, uh, some fun, exciting stuff planned for this weekend. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. We're, we're back, baby. We're back in the playoff swing. I'm not ready for it. I don't know about you. The thought that by this time next week, we're already have game one in hand is shocking to me. Um, but I got to start getting myself ready. These last few games have been very good for me and getting my stuff ready. Cause I've, I have not been ready for the last couple of weeks. Usually I start ramping up like the, with like a month before slowly, but like in the last week or so, it's really started to, to hit just how close we are. And I've spent the last couple of games getting my like like i am such a freak when it comes to this stuff like i have my playlist all planned out and everything for when stuff gets stressful because i like to stress myself out even more when games get stressful and i already was bleeding last night because i cut myself from a regular season game and started pacing around the room again like i'm gonna be a mess this time next week and i i literally cannot wait for it because it's just so much fun watching playoff games and being so ridiculously stressed out for absolutely no reason. Like I'm being currently hunted with spears. It's so much fun. These next two months will decide my mood for the entire summer. Like it's, it's, it's a dramatic thing to say, but I had the best summer of my life last year when the Avs won the cup, that was the best summer of my life. Um, and I just, I want to feel that feeling again. Yeah. That was a great summer. Best best summer of my life too, because I got to at least be there for most of two rounds. And unfortunately, I'm looks like I'm not gonna be able to do that this time, or at least not to the same extent I did last year. But even still, I mean, it'd be really tough to match how last year went just in terms of of feel and everything. But it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait to be in absolute psychopath and i feel very bad for my poor neighbors over the next two months this poor lady just moved in next door she has no fucking clue none she what, has no idea what she's in what she's getting into at all it, it's either going to be she won't be able to tell the difference between happy and sad i feel i feel like you generally can't because you just hear muffled screaming 
most of the time. Right. It's like I'm not loud until like the big moment. And I've I've practiced the being quiet for my neighbors thing, but like we've all seen the videos of me in overtime screaming my lungs out and jumping up and down. So it probably sounds like somebody just broke in and is currently like just letting off gunshots in my place because it's not just like you hear four screams over the point of three hours. It's just one blood curdling scream all at once, which is going to make you think someone has a knife. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to put it uh my girlfriend this will be the third year she's gonna be with me for playoffs fourth year so she 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 knows what she's in store for and here's the thing we we made this joke and my girlfriend has been to two playoff games in her life uh she went to game one against the vegas golden knights in that first round series where we won seven to nothing and then she went to game two against the lightning so in her two playoff games, she's seen the Avs win by a combined score of 14 to nothing. She hasn't even seen <laughs> a goal given up against yet. No. So I, she may be the good luck charm. I, I'll have to talk her into going because she she said the stress is a little too much for her. She doesn't like how stressed out well, I am. Well, she's, so. a normal, she's a normal rational person that yes. like, just doesn't understand why somebody would do this to themselves. Like this is so bad. Right. This doesn't affect you at all. Why are you so freaked out about this? I Why- will die from a stress-induced heart attack later on in my life because of watching playoff hockey. But I I think she's going to have to be the good luck charm for me to go because, like I said, she's been to two games and the Avs have kicked the shit. And she says to me, like, what's different about these games? The Avs just kick everyone's ass. I'm like, babe, you have no idea. <laughs> like, zero idea what's going yeah. on in these games because th- this is not this easy usually. No. I mean, and God knows I'm not the good luck charm. I've been to three games and I have still yet to see the abs win at ball arena. Hopefully I can come to a game this playoff and change that. But I mean, things are changing and I have to graduate this time. So I can't just like leave with a week and a half left in the semester this time before I graduate. And plus, you know, work and growing up and having responsibilities is stupid and whatever, but I'll see if I can figure something out, but you know, if I, I'm sure everyone will be devastated if I can't make it out for a game with my goddamn 0-3 record. You got to be here for the road games. Right? That's when you'd have to be here because yeah. you you only lost one on the road. Well, yeah. Well, well at Ball Arena, 2-0 for road games. For the, yeah. the one we lost, we were at a bar. So even still. Well, even, even then, we won all of the road games except for one when I was there. Correct. That's what I'm saying. We, I saw three, four, and six against St. Louis. So I mean, I'm I'm five and one on the road, baby. Yeah, just zero and three. We're good. For some for some godforsaken reason, they hate me. Yeah, so we should be feeling good. Two games coming up for the Abs. I did want to give a shout out. Uh, our guy Raj and Altitude Sports. They're doing a watch along party tomorrow um for the jets game so today by your listening so if you have time go down and check it out support our guy raj hopefully have him on uh sometime this week but i don't think i have anything else man is it is it at the same bar we were at for his watch along last year or is it a different one no it's a different one i i don't have the tweet but it is uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun that was a really good time at that last one we went to the oh, food was, was that ridiculous. Was, that was so much fun yeah, if you if you have an opportunity to go out there and support Raj, he knows how to put on a good time for an abs game. I definitely recommend it. 
And yeah, so we've got a couple of things coming over the next couple of days. So what we're going to do before the playoffs is we're going to be back on Friday, I think, is after the Nashville game. We're going to record and have that episode probably go up midnight on Saturday. So you'll be able to hear that on Saturday. And then we're hoping to get a guest on, whether it's Raj or someone else, to talk about the ab season and what they see for the abs going into it. And we're going to try to do what we did last year and bring on somebody from the other side, like we did with the, the Predators guys last year on the Catfish on Ice podcast. If it's the Kraken, we're hoping to bring on some of our guys here at the Hockey Podcast Network from our Kraken show. If it's the Kings, same thing. If it's the Wild, the same thing. So before game one, we're hoping to have three episodes out before now and when puck drop on game one of the playoffs for the abs. So we're hoping we can work all that out, still working with people, trying to figure out schedules at this point, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, th this is our last regular season episode. Next time we record, it will be done. It will be over. We will know who the Avs are playing, whether they won the Central, and we will know everything about the postseason. This has been a weird year because from October to January felt like forever, and then the all-star break hit and bang, the season was just over like that. It just flew by. We say this every year, but it's like we're living in a repeat of the world because I remember the exact same feeling last year, like, wow, this season is taking forever. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, playoffs are right around the corner. Yeah. And here we are again doing the same thing this year. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. And you look at those first 40 games for the abs where they were like barely above 20 five and 20. Yeah, yeah. Like 20 and 20 basically and the just the way they've played down the stretch and for them to for them the fact that they control their own destiny for the central at this point is absolutely ridiculous they've played such good hockey down the stretch even if they don't get it even if things go wrong and they lose one of these games and dallas takes the central i'm gonna have a really tough time being upset about it because they've just played such good hockey down the stretch it's 11 points is a really tough hole to dig yourself out of, but they have an opportunity to do it. And hopefully they can get it done. I think they can, but we'll see where it all goes in time. That's it for this edition of the Teledabs' podcast. And that's it for the regular season on this show. The next time you hear from us, like I said, everything will have been decided. We will have all of the answers and we'll be able to chart out a playoff course, start giving playoff previews and everything like that, and really finally get to the best time of the year, I think these playoffs are going to be nutty. Like I I think this is just going to – you're giving the face right now, and I know exactly what it's about. They're talking about – first. why are they talking about Game 7 of the Star yeah. Cubs from 2020? What does that have to do with this Blues game right now? Yeah, very fucking know. But regardless, very weird – I very confused that just threw me off entirely because i was not expecting to see that in a blues game the only what it has to do with anything kind of rude tnt fuck off but yeah, yeah that's that's the end of the regular season thank you all so very much for joining us if this was your first regular season with us thank you for joining us if you're a repeat coming back from year one or year two we appreciate you sticking around with us and if you're brand new to this if this is your first episode somehow we appreciate you just coming to join us for now and hope to have you stick around for the playoffs because we're hoping it's going to be another hell of a journey. It's going to be a fantastic time. And yeah, 
been a very interesting regular season, a little more interesting than I would have anticipated coming into it. But again, the abs controlled their own destiny going into the final stretch. And that's it for us on this edition. Use promo code TELEDABS. It is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at TELEDABS. It is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. Start talking Start talking some playoffs, man. It's finally here. It's going to be a hell of a time. We're there. We're here. And we will catch you all then and next time. But until then, let's go abs.